Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 49 of the Building Sustainability Podcast. Quick catch up. What's been happening? It's been a fun week, actually. I have been laying a limecrete floor with Jamie. Uh, Jamie, who was on the podcast, uh, talking about earth building training. Um, Jamie was one of my Heartwind students. Mm, yeah, many years ago. He was one of the first first year students. And I was down helping him out on a floor job. Uh, and it was just such a pleasure to see how far he's come in. Well, it's five years now. Uh, but now he's leading jobs and doing a really, really beautiful job. His rendering on the outside of this building is really, really top notch. So that was a wonderful thing and just so nice to be on Dartmoor. Uh, really is a stunning bit of the world. Uh, then this weekend, I taught my first spoon course in, well, since about January last year. And it was at this glorious Winterbourne barn, which is a medieval barn. Uh, check out my Instagram page for some photos of just how beautiful that is. And then today I've spent the day wandering around the woods, trying to find a spot where I might park my house. And then at five o'clock this evening, my trailer arrived. So I am now ready to build. It's yeah, it's really happening. I'm very excited what else to say oh yeah uh, we've had a load of patreon supporters uh joining up since the last episode uh so emma Pyle, thank you very much of course emma was uh the guest on the last episode uh nick miller ross langley who i know is building a tiny home uh we've connected on instagram thank you ross uh and christine core uh, so thank you to you four for yeah supporting the podcast and helping it to be produced and pay for its its bills. Um, I hope that you're enjoying all of the the bonus content uh, and yeah, getting to submit some questions. Uh, just a reminder that uh, if you are into tiny homes and you want to design your own or you're building your own or think that might be a good idea, then there is a whole bonus episode with Flo Hamer. Flo has built and lives in her own tiny home. Uh, yes, she was on episode number 10. Uh, so there's a whole episode with her that will never be released except on the Patreon. So uh, if you want to hear that, head to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. OK, uh, this episode is with Philippa Batty and Philippa has, I, I so, it sort of seems weird to call it a tiny house. She's designed and built. I mean, it's it's the most unique tiny house I've seen I'm going to let her describe kind of what really makes it unique. But it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a special thing. I very much enjoyed meeting Philippa. She got in contact just to say, hey, I'm local and I've I've done this thing. Uh, and very kindly allowed me to come and visit. And yeah, we just nattered for hours. Um, I really feel like uh, I've made a, a friend and I can't wait to, to hang out again. Uh, and the same with Emma. Uh, from last week's just tiny house people they're i don't know there's something about them they're good eggs so the just a few things to say about this episode um first of all there is a very niche reference to pogs 
uh, Pogs were a sort of playground game when I was four, maybe about 12 or something like that. So Philippa had just got her Pog collection delivered to her. Uh, and so we had a quick game before recording the episode. So that's what that's about when we're, we randomly mention Pogs. Also, where Philippa lives, uh, the, or the, the land she lives on has got kind of a replica castle. I think I'm right in describing it as that. I was quite surprised when driving up, up to it. I noticed the battlements. Pretty special place. That gets another mention. Yeah, that will make sense of that. Uh, there is quite a lot of funny noises, I guess. Lots of birds. You can hear pheasants and other creatures. And there's also the crackling of a fire going on. Uh, we were being very COVID conscious and so had all the windows open, uh, but also uh, we're pretty cold. So the fire was on. Um, I think maybe that just sounds nice. It's quite homely, isn't it? Uh, what else to say? Oh, yeah, just for a change. Uh, anyone that knows me in real life uh, knows that all I talk about now is biophilic design and biophilia. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it comes up again in this episode. If you haven't heard the episode on biophilic design, uh, make sure you check that out uh, and see why I just won't shut up about it. Good. All right. Well, good. I guess stop talking. Tired. Sorry. <sighs> Enjoy the episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So I uh well, how, I suppose it's how far back to go. I try I tried to buy a house about four years ago, mm-hmm. a normal house in London. Actually, I tried to buy a flat in London, and then that fell through. And then I tried to buy a house in Folkestone, and I was going to commute into London. Okay. Um, and then that fell through. And then... Fell uh, through just... I actually got gazumped in <laughs> Folkestone by someone from London. Unbelievable. Uh, 
so after that, I just thought this is that's that's a sign. So I quit my job and left London, and then um, and then I spent uh, quite a lot of time on my bike, sleeping in a tent a lot. Nice. Um, and then I ended up where I am now, just outside of Bath, um, working as an architect um, for um, the the couple, the landowners that where I live now. And they said they offered me to come and live in their yurt in the woods, which I did for um, a couple of months. And then I moved into a house on the site, um, renting there, um, but. Uh, basically renting on my own in a nice house was not really sustainable for me long term mm-hmm. so then right, financially financially yeah. well un- well if it would have been if i'd uh, sort of gone back to working a full-time normal job right so it was kind of either i go back to uh yeah normal sort of salaried life and then i can live in a nice house on my own or i find a sort of another solution uh to living that means that i can still be sort of doing more of the things that i wanted to be doing Mm. so that's the the work-life balance that is the work-life balance. yes that (laughs) mythical beast that everyone's hunting yeah and i also like to spend quite a lot of time away right Uh, well i like for the last couple of years well obviously not the last year but um the year before that i would come and go quite a lot going off on my bike and and i wanted to that's that's one of the worst things about i think a full-time job is 20 days holiday a year is just, it's, it's too restrictive. Yes. Um, Although I was, I mean, I was really surprised because my job that I just finished, it was the first time I've had a full-time job in like 15 years or something. <laughs> paid holiday. Like that blew my mind. Oh, Wasn't yeah. It? I mean, you get paid to go on holiday, <laughs> <Yeah>. but... <laughs> You just can't go far enough away in thirty days. No, and oh, in some places, and and then some some jobs also have you know you can extend your holiday to unpaid holiday. Mm-hmm. But where I worked, you couldn't do that. So it's right. just like you had to, you know, so you had to think how you'd use that time wisely. So hey, so, let's, let's just before we get further into the, we're doing the background, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. uh, so what's what's your job? Oh, um, um, well, I'm trained as an architect. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was what you were doing in London. Yeah, that's what I was doing in London. Um, and then, yeah, since I'm, I'm now, well, I'm still an architect, but I'm also now moving more into building and, uh, yeah. Well, I'd just like to be able to sort of pursue various things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to try and live, uh, yeah, so then the, the landlord's, it feels weird calling them landlords, but the, the lords whose land I live on, they're not lords. <laughs> um, they said, well, you could build something and um, in the woods. So that's what sort of kick-started this. And I'd lived in the year and I really liked year, So I was like, I'll just build a year. And then um, they sort of said, well, wouldn't you be more interested in designing something? Being a designer. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And the seed was sown, um, and seed then grudgingly, yeah, <laughs> gosh, like you have to sign something else, <laughs> um, yeah, and and actually, yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't really know about the tiny home kind of movement when it started. It was, it was trying to overcome any you know issues of 
of, of planning by building something mobile. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it started by finding a trailer on eBay, mm-hmm. which perhaps uh, in hindsight I wouldn't do again, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Yeah. <laughs> trailer chat. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so built a cabin on wheels. I mean, you haven't built a cabin on wheels. You've built a... What is it? It's like a, a collapsible, <laughs> detachable uh, palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, when I, you know, it started by looking into the road restrictions. How wide can it be? How long can it be? And, uh, yeah, the legal road width is 2.55 metres. Yes, correct. Thank you. And uh, length is, as you've just told me today, but that wasn't an issue for me, seven metres. Yeah. And height. No, no legal restriction. Is that so? Yeah, it's, I, I'm pretty sure that's true. But um, they don't tell you when bridges are lower than uh, 4.8, 4.4. Okay. So there won't be any signs on those bridges. Right. And I think if you wanted to go any real distance without going under a low bridge, or just like motorway bridges. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So 4.8. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to be towing anything higher than that, would oh you? Oh my goodness, no, that would be a, a giant sail. <laughs> yeah. Seven metres long by seven metres tall. Yeah. Than, no. Which is what this is when it's not It's not seven metres tall. When it's, <laughs> when it's not collapsed, it is about five metres. Right. Um, yeah, yes. So then starting with the road width, but not wanting to live in something that narrow. Yeah, get so, away from that sort of corridor. Yeah. How can it? How can I expand it and collapse it to give it more of that sense of space? Right. Kind of became the the main the main idea. Okay. Yeah, to test. I think it is still a test. <laughs> I'm not convinced it works completely. <laughs> uh, well, it's certainly the the most unique tiny house I've seen. Oh. So. <laughs> Very kind. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, what? What? How have you addressed that? That sort of width, height. Yeah. So yeah, should I just describe it. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Do like the guided tour. The guided tour. Um, so, it's well, it is six meters long. Um, even though the trailer is only 4.2 metres, or sorry, the steel chassis is 4.2 metres, and then it's been cantilevered off the front and back, um, more off the back. Um, and then the the front half is fairly traditional in, a, in its sort of stud work box construction. And then towards the back, um, it has two wings, which... Um, <laughs> which uh the the floor then cantilevers sort of a further meter which is uh each floor section is made up of two pieces um which is uh, the, the wings were all made from cnc plywood and they hang off hang off the trailer chassis on um sort of steel split battens and then there's sort of triangular wings which also hang off the main uh ash frame structure with split battens and then those wings have um rafters which as you move as yep. you realize <laughs> uh, and then they're covered in a sheep's wool blanket 
that's been stitched together um, and then canvas on top of that. And that's the wings. And then the roof uh, <laughs> is... So there's two, two uh, gables at either end, which hinge. Um, and between them, so when they're, when they're hinged down horizontal for travel, and then they pop up into their vertical position, um, and then running along the, the top lengths either side um, of the main structure is, is these plywood shelves with uh, sort of holes cut in them, and then uh, ply rafters, which were CNC'd, which slot into those, and then they are braced by copper poles, which thread between them all. Um, and yeah, braced braced by the gables at either end, nice. and it sort of magically just stays up. <laughs> there are there are some uh, some bolts, uh, but that was uh, yeah that was that was one of the sort of concerns is is how there isn't there isn't a lot to stop that sort of side racking. Yeah. But actually, it's uh, it's pretty it's it, it doesn't really it doesn't really move. Hmm. Um, and I can hang off those copper poles. Nice. So it takes a fair bit of weight. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's covered in sheep's wool and then a giant canvas. Nice. What, what's the what's the process of, like, it's collapsible to a certain extent. What? So how does that happen? Um, it's actually, the wings take 10, 10, 15 minutes to take off. Right. Is so, there some sort of bolt? So in uh, the rafters pop out, as you've seen. Uh, I should add, so I've um, recently been reunited with all of my books. So I've filled the shelves. And since then, things have started to move and rafters have started to pop out. But it's fine because the rafters are literally just holding sheets all in place. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, uh, the rafters come out um, and then the the basically the this this piece the sort of bit of wall behind the sofa mm-hmm. um is attached to um actually this isn't even this actually can sort of move um but the two the two triangular wings um that are hanging off the split battens there's just two bolts at either end into the floor sections oh, wow. and that's it it's the only fixings and that's what made as soon as and then there's a bolt because there's two two sections of floor they're mm-hmm. bolted together and as soon as everything's bolted together it starts to work as a as a unit but yeah so the there's just three bolts wow um and that's it so that's that's the side panels what happens up in the the roof the copper poles they're coupled together so they'll just um couple out or you just remove remove the coupler yeah um, push once you've taken the bolts off the gable, then they can splay out a bit, which means you've got a bit of room to to pull those copper poles out, and then you just remove the rafters. Ding, so ding, the ding, raf- ding. rafters come completely out. Yeah, they just pop out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, the canvas was on for quite a while without the sheep's wool, so that was a, that felt like that wasn't that long ago, a couple of months ago that we we rolled up the canvas. Um, up and over the roof <laughs> with sort of straps rolled into it mm-hmm. and then put the sheep's wool on and then some Tyvek and then rolled it back over again. Uh, which actually, it went it 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 went okay. Putting the roof up the first time took like two hours. 
Really? Yeah, including getting the canvas over. And that was the first time. So it is, it is actually uh, pretty quick to, to disassemble it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you wouldn't want to sort of, uh, or maybe you would, like rock up to Canvas Sands and, you know, pop up your roof and your wings. But you could, and I'd say it would only take about four hours. Which, <laughs> <laughs> if you're there for a week, maybe it's yeah, worth it. Yeah, maybe that's worth it. <laughs> Um, I mean the the effect of of having I mean such a high roof is is quite something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, when it when it first went up, I was like, oh, maybe I've taken this too far because <laughs> 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 it's and you know from a very practical point of view, uh, which you notice when I go up to bed, that's where all the heat is. Right. Um, but yeah, it may it just. It, I mean, it is. It's just about a sense of space, mm-hmm. and you can be in a tiny space, but when your floor to ceiling is over four meters, suddenly it feels a lot roomier. Definitely. Which, yeah. And I could, if I needed to, store bikes up there on pulleys. <laughs> nice. That's that's what I have considered. Yeah. I love that. That's a consideration. Oh yeah. Well, at the moment, I have I have yeah space for bikes elsewhere, but if I had to, I could. There is a lot of storage up there. Nice. And a complicated <laughs> system of pulleys. I mean, yeah. what can't be sold with that? Exactly. Yeah, make it like a proper boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the, the sort of framing is quite quite unique in here as well. Like these, uh, what would you call them? Frames. What did we decide? <laughs> Perlins. <laughs> yeah, the ash... Um, yeah, ash ash posts. Mm. Basically, seven seven posts, and then I was always calling these beams, and yeah. then I mean these really are just bracing, but it's it's also this two this sort of two stage structure, um, which stemmed from like yeah as I said this this corner window which is glass that came off a house down in the woods. Um, all the doors and windows have, yeah, they were reclaimed. So it's kind of what what was at my disposal and then mm. where would the design go from there? So it has this slightly idiosyncratic uh, to, you know, if it was just, if it, if it had just been a simple A-frame, you wouldn't have had this uh, sp- sort of two-leveled frame structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what kind of makes it more... Yeah, maybe more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm actually impressed. That I think it's a quite an uncomplicated solution to yeah. what you know could be easily overcomplicated. Mm. Uh, like the whole, you essentially fold down your your like upper story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a box. It's just a box with a with a big like tent on top yeah really yeah it's sort of sort of very simple in some ways yeah complicatedly simple complicatedly simple and it and definitely not without its like compromises um, okay f- from basically having a canvas canvas roof mm-hmm. uh like talking to you about your tiny home and thinking about air tightness yeah, this is not a very airtight. No. <laughs> it's a very well ventilated space. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Makes it very COVID safe. <laughs> very COVID safe, yeah, as the wind sort of whistles through. Um, yeah, yeah. Should have gone for a slightly more oversized canvas, I think. Right. So what's the what was the deal with the canvas? Um, yes, yeah, so the canvas I had made um, by a yurt maker. Um, uh, and it's a it's sort of a rectangle with a with a hole cut out with a corner cut out of it, uh, and that is well that is the roof the roof structure with then eyelets um, that is tensioned between the two gables at either end, uh, and on those gables there's then so the eyelets hook over bolts on the on the gables, and then there's an aluminium angle clamping that down so that stops any of the wind lift under the canvas right. at a, either end. Um, whereas you, on the sides where it's tethered down, uh, you still get the wind lift there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. Um, it's not too bad actually. It depends which way the wind's blowing from, but the wind does you like the canvas. It will. It does sometimes. The wind gets under it. Um, is that? in any way nice yeah like, it's nice yeah yeah because i mean the way you described it it made me think like oh, oh. no but then i thought hang on i love camping yeah i love being under canvas that's rippling in the wind yeah yeah no i currently um am still loving the wind um but actually i was chatting to a neighbor who lives she lives in a year and she's she's been in her year for 10 years and she is at the end of her <laughs> she's tether. done with the wind she is so well she's done with everything about living right. the, <laughs> the rats the damp the wind um and i whereas i feel like i'm in the honeymoon period of the wind mm-hmm. i'm still finding it really exciting and romantic and nice. um, whereas she's like no i just don't want to be lying awake at night wondering whether like my canvas is going to blow off yes <laughs> i mean surely though after 10 years you've got to be comfortable i know it's not going to happen. It's not going to go anywhere. Well, she said she's got she she's got two bits of there is an, another bit of canvas over the top, and right. that's what she worries about. Okay. Um, and just the noise. Um, whereas, and actually, I do remember the first few nights that I stepped into here, I was like, "God, it is quite quite noisy." And then the next minute, I was asleep. Yeah. So it's it's okay. It does it does move a fair bit um, when the wind does hit it. Uh, dep- again, depending which way it's coming from, but when it hits its side on onto its like giant sail, uh, yeah, it does. It does sort of rock a bit, but that's fun too. <laughs> and we've it, it's been hotly debated about uh, whether it could be tipped over. Ooh, and I just don't think it could be. I mean, hmm, an eighty mile an hour gust from the northeast. Was that is that the speculated? That's that that would be the. Uh, but I I think you know there's about a ton in this in the steel chassis. There's a lot of yeah. weight low down. And you've got a concrete countertop. Got yeah the concrete <laughs> countertop. Which the... I don't think any tiny home. <laughs> like, I've talked to other tiny home builders and they're like, oh the weight everything the weight I'm going for the lightest <laughs> thing. And then you've got I, a slab of concrete. I there. didn't give it a second thought. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make a concrete workshop because I've always wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that might be its one saving grace. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, if you were really worried, you could do some sort of like ground anchor. Yeah. 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 But I mean, the, I almost called it final resting place, but that's not, 
That's well, the, maybe the the uh, yeah the the, where the this... next the next resting place. Yes, uh, is where uh, it is about uh, what one hundred and fifty meters. Yeah, hundred meters, hundred meters from here. It's currently we're currently in the um, the I'd say the entrance to the woods, uh-huh. which is where we moved it to two months ago. Um, and we tried to do it sort of on the morning of a hard frost, but there was so much like fannying around to get it moving that by that time any frost had melted, and uh, and then it was just getting well. Where it ended up was where where it ended up, which is actually perfect. As in, it got stuck. <clears throat> um, once, yeah, there was there was then we were then trying to move it sort of more slightly more that way. And it was it was just like nah, I'm 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 going to stay here now. Yeah. I'm going to sink my wheels in and yeah. stay here till it dries up in spring. Nice. Um, so that's soon. That is soon. Yeah, yeah. So moving day has been booked in um, with all the uh, uh, various neighbours, which fortunately have various vehicles, tractors and Land Rovers and winches, and uh, to get to get it into the into the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, that's valuable, isn't it? Who you know yeah. and what stuff have they got? <laughs> Luckily, they you know this is quite a fun fun challenge for uh, you know boys and their toys. Yeah. So. And how do you feel about it? About moving it? Yeah. Mm, yeah, like very nervous. Well, excited. I'm really excited to be in the woods. Yes. Um, but. Yeah, moving day because it's moved twice already. So it started off at the other end of the site in the courtyard, which is where we started building it. Um, um, which is, I feel, like, I feel like I should, I should mention how I started building it with someone else. Okay. Because I feel like cre- credit where credit is due. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Stephen, who is yeah uh, the landlord, and it started as a sort of joint venture um, because it was going to be on their land, uh, and he is a builder. So it was a sort of an architect builder collaboration. Um, yeah, so we started it together, um, and then we stopped doing it together. <laughs> was it uh, a falling out, or was it? Uh... No, it wasn't a falling out. It was a. Uh, I think it was. It's it, it sort of something that started as. It, I just ended up taking a lot more ownership of it because I knew it was going to be my home. Yes. Um and I didn't really know anything about building when I started out. I'd done a, I'd been already doing some laboring for Stephen. Um, I'm so pleased that you an architect admitting that they know oh, nothing didn't know about. anything about building. Oh no. Yeah. I mean I still don't. <laughs> I just know a little bit more than I knew before. Um which is why so I had access to, you know, all his tools um and all his expertise mm-hmm. so we started doing it together but yeah they, early, early on it was um yeah it wasn't always harmonious and then he's got his own building projects to be getting on with so then it was more me me doing it on my own but him being there for anything that i needed help with and also just like a constant stream of advice yeah so yeah without that i just never would have helped to and also the confidence of a builder, mm. especially in lieu of an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else going, yeah, it will definitely work. It will stand up. Yeah. Is uh, sometimes all the assurance you need, not that's, actually calculations. That's good. So I've um, 
I've just spoken to uh, Beth, who was on the podcast. Oh, yeah, I listened to that one. Uh, engineer. And I talked to her about like engineering it. And uh, I think what I've decided is, A, <laughs> it's way too expensive <laughs> to have it done properly. Sorry, Beth. Uh, and also, like, I, I'm pretty sure that I can build something. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I've, I feel confident in my intuition, so I'm I'm sacking off the engineer. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying that as an architect, but no, no, uh, not professionally. Speaking. Yes, professionally speaking, I, I would uh, advise that you um, get an uh, an engineer. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for your professional opinion. But also, like, how do you engineer a thing that moves? I mean, as soon as you yeah. did wind loading calculations on this, mm. I mean, they just. I, Beth would probably have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can't live in that. <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm interested to know your design process. Mm. What, what was your starting point? Well, it was definitely yeah, starting with the sort of the parameters of the the yeah. It, it, but sometimes it's a lot easier to start with, you know, a maximum width and that yeah, sort of constraints thing. sort of give you something to fill in between. Yeah, but then, then you've just disregarded them and well, made it wider yeah. <laughs> and yeah. taller. And it's like, right, these are the constraints. Now, how can I <laughs> break through them? Um, yeah, I suppose it um, where it's going to be parked. Uh, I wanted it to be very discreet from the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very open to the front. So, and the front is sort of fully glazed with a two point six meter high corner window, which are these two bits of lovely double glazed glass that came off House in the Woods. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of it was making a bit of an inventory of all of the materials that were available. So, yeah, there was this this house coming down in well, not coming, it re, being refurbished in the woods, um, and then there was also all the demolition work from the stuff we were doing on site here. So like those doors came off the thing that was demolished and that's, um, and then my kitchen window was off the house. And so it was kind of like mapping out that um, and then looking at what wood we could use for the frames, the ash, you know, that that's come from um, these woods that was being seasoned there. So it was like, what, nice. what are all the materials that are available to start with? Uh, where do I want the openings? Mm-hmm. Like I knew, like oh, where I'm sitting now, I knew that this is where I'd want to sit, right? And this is where I'd want to look, and then yeah, and and then it was like, what storage do I need? And then what storage do I want to, you know, to have the things that I like looking at? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in terms of spatial stuff, I definitely. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it, being sort of builder and architect, I most of the time felt like I was doing both really badly. Uh, but I, I completely forgave myself for being a bad builder because that's okay. Whereas uh, being a bad architect, I didn't really have an excuse. Um, but the things like not having a ladder, or, mm. I mean, that uh, that's partly because of that, that brace there. The obvious right. place would be to put the, the ladder here, um, but then that's sort of in the way. And that is something I should have thought about. Right. <laughs> I don't care. I like it now. <laughs> I like not having a ladder. 
Um, I like that you're, you know, you've, you've sort of made it uh, like deliberately difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually surprisingly easy to get out there. Right. Okay. Luckily, I have a concrete worktop that you can jump onto. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I, st- I did start with that, designing it, thinking about, um, yeah, light and views. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah space and volume uh and then going from there really and then yeah i did i i did do drawings um but they definitely could have been more detailed and uh yeah could have potentially resolved more if i wanted a more resolved design then it Mm -hmm. yeah like the exterior is a bit of a mess right (laughs) a mess the you can put some trim over. Yeah, I think you could just cover up. So, but that's, that's also when that's you're carpentry, though. Yeah, and if 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 it was a normal roof, if you were just putting sheet material on afterwards, you'd be able to cover up all kind, mm. all manner of sins. But the problem with putting over a sort of six by seven meter canvas over it at the end and hoping it fits, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been a sort of minor miracle if it just fitted. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, just a lot of the exterior isn't still finished. It's just like you know shingles to 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 still go on and yeah. On. But it's all sort of watertight with a, a membrane. Yeah. Type. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. So. It's actually. Um, I mean, I think uh, the canvas anyway. The, there is Tyvek. There isn't Tyvek in the the wings, but um, I mean, the canvas should be. It was quite good actually because the canvas was on long before the sheep's wool, so. Uh, I could see, see, yeah, and it was, like, on some of the seams, there was um, some, like, drips, but uh, very minor, Mm -hmm. Um, nothing that would have concerned me. And and because of the sheep's wool, there's two layers up there, Um, and because sheep's wool can absorb so much moisture, I I just, I can't imagine that water would ever be able to come through, because that sheep's wool would just soak it all up. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. So you've employed putting a sponge on the inside. <laughs> but apparently sheep's wool can absorb a third of its weight in moisture. Is that so? Yes. Which makes sense when you think about when you see fields of like really, so- when you think about sheep, yeah. really soggy well sheep. Yeah. And they're not they're having a lovely time. And it doesn't lose insulative uh quality. I think it actually gets better when it gets wet. Exactly. There you go. So you you're just boosting your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually um this is this is definitely what like before the sheets all went in, oh, I was having and this this would have been December February, I was having major issues with everything, all the ply uh, going mouldy mm. which apparently is very common I've got a friend who's got a CNC machine he's just moved from Hartford to 
just near here and he's never in 10 years had plywood with mold on it until he got here because apparently the southwest has crazy high levels of um humidity right. uh, you mean you don't mean here as in this project you mean, no you mean like the whole region the whole of the southwest um yeah so all those rafters were just getting covered in mold and i was just thinking this is going to be my life is just going to be like wiping mold off plywood but as soon as i put the sheep's wool on mm-hmm. there's been none Great. So, so the sheep's wool is just soaking up all of that moisture which is a yeah yeah i think it's amazing it's it's a pretty special material yeah yeah mm. and it looks nice oh it feels nice it feels nice malts uh, everywhere <laughs> Yeah, that's my new job, is just sweeping up sheep's wool. <laughs> and how does it smell? That's all right, isn't it's it? not too sheepy, actually. When you buy the battens, which we've used down there, that is much pongier. Yes, I've got experience of that. And you yeah. can't, you know, like your hands are a bit, yeah. a bit cheapy. Whereas this actually doesn't, isn't as smelly. Is um, that because it's been... Because it's a... I mean, these are massive blankets, aren't they? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and this is this isn't this is like carpet underlay. Okay. So each it's like ten mil thick, so it's much denser than um, like the the like battens you buy yes. at sheep's wool. Um, so it's yeah, sort of two layers of ten mil. Yeah, is more like blankets. Yeah. Yeah, this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Now I have like offcuts everywhere, which well, I mostly just sit on. <laughs> um well we've, we've sort of i've I st- still got design questions so it's i mean i always want to ask materials questions but uh yeah so thinking about uh use of space and so it's something i've been really conscious of is thinking about what do i want to do in this house mm. and how do i tetris it all in so that I can, yeah, I can have all of that. Uh, what are, what were the considerations for you? What were like the must-haves? Um, I suppose uh, n- not a dining area. Right. <laughs> but I knew that it w- I would want a nice clear space to be able to do, you know, like yoga. And, um, and I think it really, like all of the functional stuff is, is, is at the back and all the mess and you know um and then to try try and just keep the the front uh as this just nice light voluminous space with things that i like displayed mm-hmm. to look at um but yeah as i think because i i'm trying to no i probably have had people over for dinner i'll show you if i ever had a dinner party <laughs> um and fortunately, most of my friends, if I was to invite them over for dinner, they wouldn't be surprised to be um, told that they were sitting on the floor and that they probably needed to bring their own bowl. Right. So I think that's okay. Um, whereas I know that for a lot of people, it's important to be able to have mm. a, a formal dining table and dining chairs. And um, but that to have that would yeah it would take up a lot a lot more space. I mean, as it, like, there's a lot of empty space in here. Yes, and but, it's. I mean, it's as I say, unlike any tiny home i've seen and, mm. it, and it feels well and it feels very much like a, a more airy breathable space yeah i think that was really important to me i um 
yeah, and maybe like longer term, I wish I had more storage. But I, yeah, apart from as I mentioned, the I I do have some overspill at the moment, which which means I don't have any bikes in here. Um, but you've yeah, got, you've got you know preparations for that. Yeah, and pool space. Yeah, and I was you know if I wanted to, I could put like a sheet of ply over that top bit, and that's just. That's like another bit of like loft space, but yeah. and also you can store stuff under the trailer. Mm. So yeah, and when I did start watching, you know, tiny home videos, that's what's focused on is all the, yes. the clever like natty storage and um, yeah, it was definitely what was more important for me was was it just being a space that I really liked being in. That you know, with I mean, this is actually probably the nicest time of day because it's when the light's coming in and Mm -hmm. it's and making the most of the the setting the setting you're in um so yeah having as much glazing as possible and but i know from a like a practicality point of view a lot of people wouldn't uh wouldn't like it (laughs) (laughs) what don't you think they'd like about uh the cold (laughs) it's not that i mean I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm okay with the cold anyway. Um, but I know, uh, like this wouldn't hold its heat overnight. Mm. Um, so mornings are chilly, and I think for a lot of people, you know, they might, they might not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, again, that's, you know, there is only uh, that is something I could add though. I could, I can always add more insulation on the roof. Yes. Um, I can put curtains on the single glazing. I could plug some of the like massive gaps. I could get a door handle. There are many luxuries. things. Luxury. There are many things I could do to stop heat escaping, yeah. which I will do for next winter. Um, yeah. So I think things like that. Whereas, yeah, you could it, it, make a much more airtight, insulative box that actually holds its heat really, really well. Yeah. Um, you know, you wake up in the morning; it's still warm. I think, yeah, I think what's really interesting is, uh, well, for me, certainly, is that's the approach I'm taking. Uh, and I don't have that sort of architectural flair. Is that the right? <laughs> Tra- training. Training, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could never design a space that feels this good, but I can design a space that... You probably could. Well, we'll see in about six months' <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, but I know how to make, uh, you know, airtight, insulated, snug. So, yeah, to come and see this is very much... It's Yeah, it's interesting to me to to, to sort of see a different approach, I guess. Mm. Well, I guess it's like with anything. Uh, if you set any, everyone in the world the task of designing their tiny home, depending on what's important to you... Yeah. You would... Um, yeah, you'd have a different starting point and yeah if like being really warm is um yeah i suppose i was just the, i was thinking about mo- by mobile but spacious yeah and yeah light is just so important to mm. me. light and views yeah that's a, that's a fear with mine at the moment is i don't know how many windows to put in oh. and how big and you know, I'm conscious, so, like, building science brain goes, 
the windows are the the coldest part. You know, <laughs> you want to minimise that. But then Jeffrey, who likes to look at trees and you know the outside world, is going put loads in. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know where the balance is. Mm. And yeah, can I send you some drawings? Yes. Of <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think with, uh, I like I said, it's um, I was thinking where I would most likely end up sitting, mm. and it was kind of this triangle of wanting to be able to like see the log burner and have the view. Yes. Um, and then, but if I was if I was also being slightly more sensible, you know that that big crystal single glaze window. I mean, that is just right next to the log burner. Mm. That is just dragging all that heat out. Um, and it's it's a really nice window, so I wanted to use it. And I love that I can cook there, and and I've just got that you know my current view into the woods. Um, whereas if I was not using reclaim windows, I would have done something. To- I probably would have done a much smaller window, yeah, because I would have been you know costs and being more practical. Um, but because that's what was there, and actually this is uh, so that top bit of the window was on the side. It was a horizontal window. Okay. Yeah, so it's been sort of fudged. So there's also a window up up, up in the bedroom. Um, so it was something about working with what was what was available, mm. um, not necessarily what what would be um, like where you'd start from if yeah. you were. Which is which is what I really enjoyed about doing it like this was because as an architect, you very rarely start by saying, "Well, these are the windows that are available to me, and I'll design it around that." Hmm. Um, why was that why was reclaiming stuff that was a hang on I'm going to ask that again (laughs) (laughs) why was reclaiming (laughs) stuff Uh, uh, so why was uh, reclaiming materials like important Um, I I just when I started I was actually at the beginning thinking everything's going to be reclaimed which is just bonkers (laughs) Um, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, I think trying to reuse and recycle and is, is important. And it, 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 the timing did happen that it was when there was quite a lot of available Mm -hmm. materials, um, materials that would have otherwise like gone in a skip or, well, like these bits of glass, a lot, a lot of glass came off that house and they're currently, Bit, bit bits much bigger than this um are being or different proportions but bigger are being like stored down in the woods between two bits of two shipping containers just waiting to break mm. um and all these oak boards these this was the cladding off the house and oh, wow yeah and when we went down there um and this is this is another architect he was basically going to just chop it up and bur- burn it for kindling so yeah. I was like, we'll have it. Definitely. And it's gone so far, like this oak. It's, you know, it's done the floor downstairs. It's done the mezzanine. It's done the sort of kitchen surround. And it's, well, you know, it's like pre-weathered sawn oak. It's beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful, like. You've um, got the, the perfect combination of, like, it's been smoothed, but there's still the, the cut marks in there. and Yeah. Yeah, when I use it around the kitchen, actually put it through the plainest, that is... That's much like cleaner, but I yeah I prefer the oak the um the floor finish. Mm-hmm. Although I have no, I mean the gaps are so big in the parquet that uh, it's they, not good for pogs. It's not. 
it's not good for pogs. <laughs> <laughs> you can lose your whole set of pogs down there. Um, and a whole lot of... Well, actually, I think it's mostly like sheep's wool. Right, okay. Sheep's wool and dust. <laughs> Mud. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, again, it's like sometimes it's easier to work within constraints mm. rather than just a really blank canvas. Yes. Um, yeah, so if you do want some big bits of glass for your tiny home. <laughs> I mean, but that that feels a little big. A little too big for what I'm thinking. Although, ooh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, how I'd get it to X more without... Without <laughs> breaking them. <laughs> yeah um so uh, yeah i'm kind of interested in your your happiness how you arrived at this point your happiness to live in you know a colder space uh, a more sort of wind battered yeah wind battered space where where do you think that's come from um well i think i do think uh having spent quite a lot of time uh like traveling on my bike and in a tent you become very um well you are just constantly close to nature mm-hmm. because you're either cycling through it or sleeping in it um and i think the house i was living in before it did have a it had a rayburn in the kitchen um but turned that off and just had the log burner so i i do like um there's just something so satisfying about well like from a, a log burner point of view like you know chopping your wood and having a fire, having a reason to put the fire on mm. rather than wanting to have a fire on, but your house is already so warm that you don't feel the need to. Yeah. Whereas um, when it's sort of a necessity of coming down in the morning and it's it's freezing, you, you, you put the log burner on. So I was, I was already kind of liking living like that in the, in the house before. And I think, um, yeah, since... I think there's there's something about rather than trying to like block out all the external elements and create a box that or you know a house or whatever that is that is completely disconnected um from how it feels outside. I think that also um does affect how you use the natural world. I think when when you live in quite a, a colder space like the fact that you walk out the door and it's not like a new environment mm. it's just it's the environment. It's um, yeah, very much the same environment that you've just been in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's a few weeks ago. It's just a constant state of wearing, you know, well, I think I've worn, I haven't not worn a hat for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, and I have down trousers and, you know, you just get used to wearing warm things. And, and I know there's, there's, you know, a lot to be said for passive house and uh, hermetically sealed boxes and, um, but I think I don't know. For me, uh, I I feel more content. I've definitely since I've been in here, um, and it feeling like there's a very thin barrier between me and the outside world. Like, yes. yeah, the the wet the the noise of the wind is just. I mean, like I said, it's still amazing for me. It's like it is like a giant. It feels like you're at sea, and there is a giant wave coming towards you um it's very elemental um and being woken up by the birds that it does feel like they're you know they're sort of right next to your head Mm -hmm. you feel so connected to the outside world and you know without going too like deep into it I'm just sure that um because it's not that long ago that we were living that close to nature 
that we are that you are sort of just tapping into um you know our our dna of living like that and yeah. it, it being an environment that actually we feel far more uh comfortable with than say a 23 degree house and you're just surrounded by bright lights and screens mm-hmm. um so yeah it has felt i just i just feel very like calm and relaxed nice. and i think that's probably got quite a lot to do with it for me yeah so i've um actually probably before this episode comes out uh there'll be an episode on biophilic design and uh are you are you into that I don't know what that I mean, is. You've just said all of the things. Oh, really? Uh, biophilic. Yes. So, hang I on. I like the biology. Bio, bio is like you know, nature, and philic is love. So it's yeah. love nature. The way I've I've seen it used is how do we bring nature into a house, mm. into a space, to make us? I think it's sort of like how do we trick ourselves into thinking we're outside yeah. so that we don't get miserable. Mm. Um, and there's all sorts of studies about you know people. Uh, recovery times in hospitals and kids' grades when they're learning, you know, sealed box versus nature forms sort of around the place. And one of the things that really sort of struck me was having a breeze, a gentle breeze across your skin yeah. is like a thing that the biophilic designers are, are all about. <gasps> but then the passive houses will be like, uncontrolled airflow. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, and I'm not. I'm. I know they're they're trying to solve two different things. One's about human health, and the other's about like health of the world. I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm not saying anyone is right or wrong, mm. but you're you're definitely like at that the end. Oh of yeah. The, you're doing, and uh, well, someone said it's biophilic design is it's the science of our what you already intuitively knew. Yes. And yeah, I think this this space. It's, it's it well you i mean <laughs> i can i can assure you i do feel well when when the wind's coming from the north northeast i do feel the breeze across my nose and then and, and that is like yes camping or like bivying when your face is outside mm. that feeling is you know it's you can't really describe it but it does feel great and and i yeah i do feel like yeah, maybe we are made to believe that. Yeah, you you do to be warm is, and in a hermetically sealed box is is the way that you want to live. Mm. But actually, if With you no really fluctuations in temperature, no, until until you go outside, and then it hits you like a shock. Um, but yeah, because because I think yeah we're we're made, you know, we don't like feeling discomfort, but actually. You know, it's like if you go out for a walk and suddenly you get hit by a rainstorm and you actually, you know, it does feel, it does make you feel more alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily something you'd put yourself into that situation. Yeah, um, it's sort of easier to not do that. Yeah, so, yeah, so you don't, mm-hmm. you stay dry and warm and because why wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, but then because this is only a log burner, um you know and the wood comes from here so and i know that you know it's still putting carbon into the atmosphere but uh even though this piss is heat i sort of feel like that's okay whereas if i was running a heater Mm. um and it was pissing heat i would feel a bit like well maybe i should have just sealed up some of those gaps 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, I mean, I think that's, you, you touched on it earlier, I think that's sort of the joy of uh, tiny house uh, building is that people are designing them to, to themselves. Mm. Like you wouldn't probably design this space for someone else. No, no, because I, I, I imagine also if you had a, um, a client for a tiny house they would have quite specific things like I want somewhere to be able to sit at a table and eat and have three friends yeah. and that would totally change this entire space yeah completely mm. um, so yeah I think it's quite an easy this, with this it's quite an easy win to have a nice space but yeah the, it's, it's because I've sacrificed a lot of the you know practicalities of living that people most other people might want you're making me feel like a like an insider now <laughs> go on jeffrey you build your, your airtight box yeah but you'll be so warm <laughs> and you've lived on a boat for six years yes with no insulation yeah, yeah. so you, i can imagine that for your new home you're like right i don't want cold mornings and that's totally fine and i reckon in three years mm. i'll be thinking about like how can I fill in between all these rafters with a bit more insulation? Yeah, or like putting a proper roof on or, yeah. you know, this is this is early early days. Um, oh, I like that. I like <laughs> that it's, yeah, it's, it's an ongoing, you haven't, this isn't a finished house. No. No, I think, I think it's quite reassuring. And, you know, as I look around thinking things are maybe slightly subsiding since I've put, put books on shelves, uh, yeah, knowing that it's all quite um, easy to uh, add add to, or re- because it does come apart. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty. A lot of it's quite adaptable, <laughs> and maybe one day I'll you know replace those those double uh, those single glazed doors and put two double glazed doors in. I t- Pretty much the first thing I saw when I came through the door was the that gap. gap. I knew you'd see that. <laughs> and I was, and that like, I'm obviously I'm thinking You're of just it. Like, from, what? It's like, oh, is she mad? <laughs> Do you know when we had that really cold spell? I did. I taped the gap up. <laughs> but yeah, I see that, and I'm like, God, yeah. I mean, you could you could fit a few pogs through there. Yeah. <laughs> no problems uh, but also another re- like and I think for next winter I'll probably have curtains across those yeah. those doors I wouldn't put them over the, the window because um, I just don't want lots of curtains but yeah there's that, lots of easy wins I think yes for heat loss yeah I don't know what else I want to talk about this has been a delightful wonder sort oh. of away from just talking about building a house but into yeah, it's like wrapping a building around a person unique to that person. Have you not found that with other, like... Well, so you've you done one other tiny home. Two so, others. Two. Yeah. Was that M? So M and Flo. Oh, I haven't listened to the M one. Uh, well, it hasn't come out yet. <gasps> That's why. Yeah. It's funny, lots of these, lots of women doing... Mm. Of, of the uh, tiny home builders, I know they're women. Yes. I know, yeah, I know a few more as well. Mm. Why do you think that is? Because I don't know. No, I really don't know. I guess maybe, um, uh, but I don't know if this is true and I don't want you to come across like um, 
but maybe women uh like and what i found with uh, these these other two women in Scotland who've built tiny homes, and then another two of my friends in Scotland who want to build one. All, um, all women. All women. Um, and he, what we've been talking about is yeah, living in this, um, living in a a communal way, living very auto- autonomously mm-hmm. in our own tiny homes, but living among a community, which is a bit like where I am now, but um you know there's there's um like five or six units of residents across the site and we all live you know in our own independent dwellings or tiny homes well mm-hmm. i'm the only tiny everyone else living in a normal house um a boring house boring, hang on not a boring house boring they're, house they're castles oh the castle house <laughs> <laughs> and then we share you know vegetable patches and yeah. um and then we work together on things and yeah so it's kind of uh yeah, living in that communal way, and the uh, so back to the the female thing. So it feels harder to, or I definitely felt pressure to live in a. You know, there is quite a typical trajectory to follow, um, and maybe you feel more pressure as a as a woman. I don't know to so like have to have children and 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 partner up and do that thing. But there is, you know, there's there's quite a lot between living a typical family life and just being a I don't know so I don't know if it's it's women looking for another way to live sort of rebelling against the the, the expected yeah but that still doesn't really make much sense because you, you could as a woman you could still just go and live in a house on your own mm. do, do you find with boat dwellers if there's what the sort of mix is Ooh, I'd say it's probably about an even split hmm hmm Mm. I wondered if it's more of a. Uh, I haven't thoroughly thought this through. So. <laughs> I'm thir- I know. I feel like what I just said was a load of rubbish <laughs> <laughs> because it was more like a stream of thought than yeah. a, uh, a well thought through. <laughs> Having said all of that, something else. Yeah. Um, I wondered if it's because the construction industry is so male mm. and. You know, a, a tiny house is a more manageable thing. You know, I don't want to sound like I don't want to be rude. No, <laughs> but well, I think that is that. And so, because you know, maybe and maybe it's more of a sort of boy mentality to be like, well, I'll build a big house, yeah. bigger the better. Yeah, whereas it's slightly tempering ambitions of mm. what you think you're like capable of. Yeah, I mean, I could. I could definitely believe that. And uh, I had no idea what I was undertaking. So I thought this would be a lot easier. Yep. I feel that's, <laughs> that's the classic uh, construction, <laughs> any project that you're building. Yeah, so it's also going into things like, but thinking, this is very small and manageable. I know how to use a drill. I will definitely be able to build a tiny home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you will, you'll get, you'll get to the end of it. I mean, had I not had like Stephen sort of like mentoring me, yeah, I would have got there eventually, but I would have watched a lot of YouTube videos and, um, yeah, it would have, it would have taken a lot, a lot, lot longer. It would of course would have been a totally different result. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you're, yeah, it's biting off something a bit more manageable. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's difficult to talk about because you don't want to generalise. No. Um, yeah, and I suppose, well, maybe I'll just ask all of the tiny house builders. Yeah, maybe actually we just know the women, but actually there's loads of men who've built tiny houses. I can think of a couple, mm. but it seems like there's more of a female yeah. waiting. So, I mean, you're, what would you say, 90% finished? It's very kind. <laughs> Actually, 90. Come on, it's like door handles. I'm, I'm thinking externally. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm just, well, <laughs> I just don't know if that will ever get <laughs> Um I mean, that wasn't the important part. I was leaving, That was a lead-on to oh, right. the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, would, what sort of lessons have you learned that maybe you'd do differently? Um, have I mentioned the trailer? We started to talk about that and we said we'd come back to it. Uh, yeah, so I, the, the trailer was, bought it off eBay, 600 quid, uh, 4.2 metres long. It's got a, it's got a three-ton capacity um, and Dave from Stroud said he'd deliver it. Nice. Good so uh, even though he said it wasn't roadworthy. Mm. Or he said it didn't have, because it didn't have like brake lights and one of the tyres oh, okay. was flat. So I was like, if you deliver it for another 100 basically thinking he'd get everything sorted. And actually ha- what he did was just chance it. No, he turned up um, turned up with it on another trailer. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool, so it's still not roadworthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, you know, getting a new um, wheel was relatively straightforward. Um, you can get one of those sort of light bar things oh, that people yeah. stick on the back of a caravan. Or... Yeah. 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 It was, it was fine. Um, yeah, so because I'm cantilevered off the back and the front, but the front doesn't concern me, but um, quite far off the back, and then there's quite a lot of weight on the back corner. Uh, I just think it's worth investing in your foundations mm. to know that you're on something rock solid. But the and you're tr- talking about a chassis there rather than like you know what people would think of as pouring some concrete in the ground, yeah, yeah, because that is my foundation, yeah. My my uh, my cabin foundations, yeah. So probably worth um, just for peace of mind. I think it's fi- I think it is fine, but yeah, it's some big timbers cantilevering off the back. Um, and if taking it quite off road, i.e. into the woods along a very like muddy rutted track, um, probably worth um, making sure you've got like sufficient clearance because where we are now is basically the the bracing of the chassis sort of hitting hitting the mud um you're talking clearance underneath yes yeah yeah so where it's where it's braced um oh yeah not head clearance yeah or width for you oh yeah no width is width is all right um yeah so that's yeah the trailer um so so what what would you have done differently I think I probably would have just spent the money and got one made like you you're having done mm. the right size and just just know that it's sitting on something. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean that's never been a consideration for me as in you know, a worry. Exactly. The trailer's just a known a known thing that's specced and Yeah. I think that's also when I again when I started out uh, a, I didn't think it would take as long. How long um, has it taken? 
Um, got off the base like early August, and it was it was about five months. Okay. Uh, yeah, but about I think I think for me it was about four months of time in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like a month of Stephen's time in there. Um, uh, what was the question? Oh yeah, yeah, and also because yours is going to be six point six meters long, mm. so I'm really jealous about that. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with that six hundred mil, but maybe I'd have a dining table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So now, just looking back, it seems really silly to have. Uh, yeah, gone to like all these lengths and to not have like really maximised the length. Mm. <laughs> never mind. I'm going to have a massive deck. That's going to be the next build project. Once nice. it's parked in the woods, big deck. Um, yeah. What are the lessons? Uh, oh, just do some like accurate drawings. <laughs> like Don't I've say that, been man. trained to do. <laughs> Well, I guess it's like tolerances. Yeah. Um, sort just, of the details. Yeah, fact, factoring in more tolerances and, you know, ordering the canvas when you know exactly what size it needs to be. Um, being careful with birch plywood and mould. Although that was an annoyance and now it's fine, so that's okay. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I'm like I'm spatially. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe some sort of ladder. But again, I don't really. I'm fine with it like this now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a, a space that fits you. So yeah, I mean, let's hope you don't like sprain an ankle or something at any point because you'll have to sleep on, on the floor. <laughs> Oh, actually, do you know one thing? Um, is well, but I don't know if I would have changed it for it, but there isn't really anywhere to hang any pictures. Oh, that's interesting um, because of the A frameness. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I mean, I've got yeah, that's that's that, that's one of my dad's, but that's one of his like very very tiny small ones, mm-hmm. and I could put one up on the triangle, which I might do. Um, and then, you know, I've hung that one by the door, which just looks a bit ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's slightly bigger than the wall it's on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe that. But I don't know what I would have foregone for that. Hmm. Oh, oh, this is a tiny thing. Use birch plywood for these the floor bits that are cantilevering. Right. Would have made those in phenolic ply. Ah, Oh, and actually, the split battens, phenolic as well, because they they would have hopefully slid in more easily. Mm-hmm. They're going okay, but they need a bit of like whack with the mallet. Yeah, that makes it sound like I think otherwise everything else is great, but no, <laughs> I don't think and it has work to be great. Ship to... generally <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be uh, not great to want to be done differently. Does yeah, that make sense? yeah. What's your favourite bit? Ooh. Ooh. I really like uh that the sycamore. The mm. return the return of the worktop. And actually this is that's kind of an example of like if I'd been if I was just the architect who'd like drawn it and um then given the drawings to a builder, 
when it came to doing that and then around the sink there's the oaks around mm-hmm. and it was cause basically ran out of these floorboards um and and i was like oh there's gonna be too many different types of woods because the kind of the bathroom that's like um pine old pine flo- floorboards um and then you've got like the oak top and bottom of the kitchen and oak there so i was like oh no there's you know too much going on and so that was kind of a happy accident because Stephen was like, well, I've got some sycamore um, and I just love that wood. Mm-hmm. And But if I'd drawn it, I wouldn't have put that in. Yeah. So there's things there's things like that, which is kind of like relinquishing control as, as an architect and everything not being very, you know, having a very like pure language mm-hmm. and everything being very, very resolved. But you kind of end up with things that, that just have a lot more character and, and are nicer. Um but I think, yeah, my favourite thing is the way it is the way the light just like, you know, just swings around and uh, the way it yeah, hits things. and It's a beautiful space. Oh. I think you've done an excellent job. Well, I, I cleaned it just for you. <laughs> I mean, it is so clean right now. <laughs> and uncluttered. <laughs> <laughs> If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ah, well, thank you so much to Philippa for both showing me around her tiny home, answering all my questions, alleviating some of my fears. Yeah, felt really good. And it really opened my mind to different possibilities and kind of showed how, how sort of tunnel vision I'd got about making highly insulated airtight and i definitely drove away from there thinking what on earth am i doing why am i shutting myself off from nature and why am i yeah i just want to be in this comfortable little box when actually what i know is that i want to be out in nature and so maybe i'm putting in barriers to to me enjoying the outside life um i think that i've sort of 
come to the terms with it that I'm still going to do that because I still believe that we should be building more insulated homes uh, and making them super sustainable. Um, I tend to sleep outside quite a lot in the summer anyway. Um, So I think that's going to keep me sort of in balance. I hope we'll see. Oh, maybe, yeah, it's a big experiment, isn't it? Um, I might hate it. I might hate being warm all the time. Uh, and <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I guess one of the, the sort of thinking that I came to was that actually both Philip and I are really lucky to be able to design something which sort of fits our personality or is attempting to fit our personality. Um, so many people just, they will live in a house and they sort of get, get what they're given. Um, so for, for us to, to be able to, you know, design something, hopefully like a glove to our, our needs is, um, yeah, it's a really lucky place. Also, uh, yeah, just wanted to say, um, I think we both felt a bit awkward about the talking about the, the females, you know, the sort of noticing female, more females for building tiny homes and having a little stab off the cuff why that might be. I think it's probably more complicated, certainly, than I made out. Um, and I hope I wasn't belittling, uh, but I'm slightly nervous I was. Yeah, so hopefully you don't think I'm a baddie. But I am interested to know why people think it is. So maybe if you have built a tiny home, uh, let me know what you think. Good. Okay. I think that's enough attempted digging. What else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. I wanted to say about bivy bags. Just that feeling of, well, when I sleep in a bivy bag, I think there's something really special about having the breeze on your face all night. And I always feel just so alive the next day. Um, maybe it's just because I'm slightly sleep deprived from sleeping outside. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's a sort of special feeling that seems to carry on. Um, so I really, uh, yeah, really appreciated Philippa highlighting that and, uh, yeah, feeling the, the same about it. Um, and definitely from this episode, I have taken into consideration like the views and thinking about, as she said, like where my sofa's going to be and what am I going to see and, uh, making sure that even if I'm inside, then I've got a, a really good connection to outside. So yes, as always, I've learned loads from this. So thank you, Philippa. Just to say, uh, yes, if you haven't heard the biophilic design episode, then do make sure to check that out. Uh, that is episode 47, I think. I should know that. I don't. I wanted to say as well, if you have enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes, and you feel so inclined, then sharing this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it is, stick it in groups. The more places you can get it out, the more the more people that listen to it and hopefully are inspired to, to live and build in better ways. And also when I'm looking at the stats every month, seeing a little increase makes me feel like, oh, it's worth it, isn't it? <laughs> uh, good right that's it from me uh enjoy your week thanks for listening uh i hope you are really well bye-bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.